What's up, world, and welcome back to the Vibes and Stuff Podcast, where hip-hop heads discuss hip-hop topics. On today's episode, we'll first cover a few news nuggets, such as the possibility of there being a Tupac versus Biggie versus battle. We'll also discuss the recent class action lawsuit against Kanye West, and then we'll dive into the recent controversy and backlash concerning artist Dana Lee and her song entitled Yellowbone. Does she deserve the hate for that song? And is it problematic for the black community? Then we'll cover a few unpopular hip-hop opinions concerning hip-hop artists Mos Def and Kendrick Lamar. And then we'll debate whether or not artists should listen more to their fans in terms of how their music should sound. Then we'll dive into our album Face Off and compare Behind the Front by the Black Eyed Peas versus Nia by Black Alicious and weigh in on which one we felt was the better album and why. Then we'll do another round of Overrated Underrated and then the crew will share what they've been bumping for the week. So with that, please kick back and enjoy the show. The show. Hey, hey, what's going on? Hey, what's going on? Hey, how you doing, Ian? Pretty good. How's everything going? Oh, it's going okay. Busy. Life is busy, but, you know, I can't complain. So. <laughs> good, good. Everybody on your end in good health? Everybody COVID-free? I mean, yeah, we lost a couple of friends, but... Um, oh, really? Unfortunately, yeah. Um, but, you know, um, for the most part, everybody's doing okay and, and trying to stay safe the best they can. Gotcha, gotcha. I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah. yeah. Did you guys get um? Did you guys get a foot of snow like we did? No, um, it bypassed us, which I'm very happy. It went to the north, so that's why you guys, you, know, you guys have a lot of it. We got maybe a coating of snow, and then no. it all melted. It melted by the end of the day. So I don't want to deal with any more snow this year. I'm, I'm just going to be honest. I hate snow. So yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I love it, man. Like, like when I was a kid, it was it was great. You know, you can go sledding and all of that. But now, man, I, I feel like I've spent the last thirty six hours just shoveling snow. <clears throat> I, I didn't even go to work today because I couldn't get out the alley. So, um, yeah, I just had to. <laughs> I just had to shovel. I, I was shoveling all day, man. My um, my neighbors, you know, they I, I park in the in the garage, so coming out the alley, you know. It doesn't matter if you shovel, if your neighbors haven't shoveled, you, you're just not getting out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, you know, I'm like, man, where are all the industrious crackheads that <laughs> would, would shovel you shovel you out for like a for like five bucks? They did not work. Nah, they they're like nah. <laughs> nah, they trying to stay warm themselves, so no. <laughs> are they? <laughs> And you can't hire alcoholics because they they take too many breaks. Oh yeah, and they might just disappear. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh, uh, I am I am sore. Give me one second. I um, uh, <clears throat> texting people. I'm not dealing with the most punctual group here. Hold on. Okay. But on the. On a positive note, I did get to I did get to take my son sledding uh, for the first time last week. So 
that was, that was cool. Yeah, I like sledding. Now that's when I don't have to drive in the snow or I'll actually have to get out and be in it. I'm good with it. <laughs> like what like having snowball fights and stuff like that. Yeah. Me and my daughter will we, we'll do that, but you know, we're over the the snow factor at this point. <laughs> like she's a teenager now, so she's over it. So Oh yeah. I bet. I bet. Did y'all do the snowman thing when she was younger? Oh yes. Oh, we tried. Let's say we tried. <laughs> so it didn't always look like a snowman, but um, <laughs> we had fun. That's all that matters. We had fun. That's good. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> whole snowman experience is a little overrated if you ask me, but. Yeah. Um, my daughter's like, she doesn't like being cold. So she's like, let's go in. <laughs> I'm over being in the cold. Let's go in the house. <laughs> All right. So she she's she's more of a summer kid. She is more of a of a spring fall child. She does not like heat. She's very particular. So um, she likes it not over seventy degrees. Not over seventy. No, not over seventy and not under fifty. So I don't know where she's living when she gets older, but um, I hope she finds a nice place, a nice climate, <laughs> because I don't you know, know what where she's living. <laughs> She might, she might be good in like say the Bay Area. I, I was surprised at how um, temperate it is over there. I, I went, I've been, I've been to the Bay about maybe three times now. <laughs> One of the times I went in July, and you know I, I didn't even take a coat because I'm thinking like, oh, we in California, you know, nice sunny California. Uh, it like, gets look. cold in Northern California. <laughs> man, man, and yeah. it, it's not so much that it's cold, but it's it's definitely cooler than you expect it to be, and like. Yeah. But it doesn't. They don't. They don't get a lot of snow in the winter. You know, no. it's it's very temperate. It, it'll rain a little bit, but other than that, no. But it, it didn't get. I you know I think me and the wife we were there in July, yeah, and it didn't get it didn't get above seventy. Yeah, my my dad's from Oakland, so. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, I'm very familiar with. I like their weather. Don't like California, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's very. I, I I was surprised at how temperate it was in the Bay. What's what's going on, Jamil? What's happening? Like the like the avatar hair, man. Oh man, we got we got our special guest in the house. Say what's up to Brandy. Brandy, welcome back. Hey, what's going on, Jamil? How you doing? Doing well. How are you? I am fantastically well. All right. Yeah, I got a, a couple more people we waiting on, but we we gonna go ahead and get started. Jamil, man, how's how's the family? How's everybody doing? First of all. Are we still Rona free? That's what's up. That's what's up. Same here. As far as I know, you know. Right, right, right. <laughs> nobody's nobody's coughing, so. That's good. That's good. Mm-hmm. But but to kick off the show, man, just a, wanted to hit a couple of news nuggets first. I'm sure, you, well, I know you heard already, Jamil, but um, unfortunately we lost uh, rapper and producer, one half of People Under the Stairs, artist by the name of Double K. He passed away at the age of 43, not old at all. Uh, nobody really knows the circumstances under which he passed, but you know, the hip hop world and the people who were fans of people under the stairs, of course, they're, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're grieving his sudden and unexpected loss. But uh, if you're not a fan of people under the stairs, they are one of those underground LA groups, real dope, funky, jazzy production, just great old school rhymes. Um, you know, they didn't light up the world, so to speak, but in, in the way that like a, a Tribe Called Quest or De La Soul did, but 
their catalog is pretty dope, man. If you, if you ever have time, please check them out. It is definitely a a a loss. Were you a fan of them at all, Jamil? Uh, I can't say that I was a fan in that. No, nah, that's wrong. Because I, I, I dug the music, but I wasn't. I don't feel comfortable saying that I was a fan, especially at this point, because I did not dive into their catalog all that regularly. You know what I mean? Like, occasionally I, I dip into them. Like, I'm very familiar with the sound. And it was dope. It just wasn't something that I continued to go back to. So I would feel like a fraud if I, if I you know, upon his death, start claiming fanhood. No, I respect that. I respect that most definitely. Yeah, you, you're not trying to hop on that bandwagon. I was I was in and out with them. I, I I would dip my toe regularly with with them. I would I would check out one album and then the next album I wouldn't check out and then the album after that I would check out. I was you know I was kind of in and out with them. Right. Um, but uh, but yeah, he'll 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 be missed. He'll definitely be missed. But uh, but moving right along, man. Swiss Beats and I believe it is uh, Timberland. They are currently trying to put together a Tupac versus Biggie versus battle. How do y'all feel about this? Do y'all think that this is a good idea or, you know, uh, something we need or don't need? How do y'all feel about a potential Tupac and Biggie battle? Who? Uh, no, please, please. I'm sorry. Um, who is, are they are the ones that are going to do this? Is it is it Swiss and Timberland? Or are they having some other guests do this? Because I, that's where I'm at. Like, like, who's doing it? Like, who's going to be playing the music, the tracks? It looks like uh, it looks like Timberland and Swiss Beats. Um, okay. Let me see here. I'm I'm trying to read this article in NME. It says they floated the idea. It doesn't say that they're going to be the ones playing the music, but it said that they're the ones who float, floated the idea. Because they also suggested Prince and Michael Jackson, in which co-host Jalen Rose suggested doing as a hologram battle. I, I, I don't know how you're going to do that. Yeah, they didn't say, they didn't specify who exactly would be playing the music. No, no holograms, I hope. I really hope that. That's not the case. <laughs> that is a horrible idea. Um, I, I don't think it's a bad idea, um, especially if... People want to hear the music, nostalgia. People want to hear the tracks, the hits, or whatnot. That's what it's all about. People feeling good in COVID. So I don't think it's a bad idea. I'll, I'll put that out there. Okay. Okay. Fair enough. Jamil, what you think? Um, I don't know that it's like a bad idea, but it's it's kind of unnecessary because they're dead. So it's not like you know you can get them there like the other battles so this is literally no different than doing just like a regular dj set and having somebody spin records it's not like they could come and represent themselves um and i, I thought about this when when it first came up because i was actually listening to the show when they when they were discussing it and it was kind of just thrown out there it was like pie in the sky stuff that swiss was talking about he was just saying that that was something that he would want to do but it got the wheels turning with me like all right on biggie's side you do have a level of representation that you can bring on if that's what they wanted to do right puff could show up faith could show up uh jay could show up he wouldn't but jay could show up 
you know, people that uh, look him could show up. Who who would Pop be able to have as like a rep- a representative of his? Um, that would make sense. I was I was gonna say Suge Knight, but now nah, he he's no. he's, he's currently <laughs> incarcerated. Exactly. Um, like I mean, Snoop? early Pac would have like Digital Underground, maybe um, Shock G. Right. That would be dope. That was the dope. only that was the only person that I could think of was like Shock G. Because I mean, the Outlaws, yeah, but they could walk past me right now and I wouldn't know who they were. <laughs> no respect. No respect. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm surprised. Surprisingly, like I, I, I hear what you're saying, Brandy, about people wanting to, you know, relive those old hits and the nostalgia. But I just, I think it's a bad idea. One for for, for two reasons. One, because I think Biggie would crush Pac in a versus battle. And two, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm kind of just over the whole versus thing. I, I think the format kind of needs to be reworked a little bit. And I, I've said this on the show repeatedly. Like, you know, it's like we're, we're we're now digging into like C and B list, you know, artists yeah. at this point with these versus battles. And I just think they need to rework the the format a little bit. Instead of doing artist versus artist, why don't you do year versus year or style versus style? Do like New Jack Swing versus Neo Soul or something or, you know, R&B from 1991 versus R&B from 1999 or something like, you know, I don't know. Just rework it a little bit. I feel you on that. I, I I can understand that. Just something different other than what you can pop in your or you can just turn on your computer and play. Like I get that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's But you you're not the target audience though. Like the the folks that are getting down with the um with the battles, like <clears throat> if you go in those rooms, a Tupac and Biggie battle would actually do really, really well. Because they're going to appeal to the masses. Like, what you're talking about is not a bad idea, in my opinion, with the idea of genres. But what you're calling um, C-less stars are actually acts that people want to see. Like, they're they're getting their fan bases energized and people are, are showing up to these battles. So, I don't think they're going anywhere and I don't, I don't know that they necessarily need to. It's just like, yo, if you rock with it, then... You go ahead and, and pop in the room and enjoy yourself. If you don't, you don't have to. I mean, I guess that's my take on it. I would personally like to see it a little more competitive. That was how it started. And in the spirit of, of hip hop, it should be a little more competitive. Like all of this uh, friendly battle stuff, it doesn't, it works uh, with some artists for sure. But I think overall, like you can, you can celebrate within the spirit of competition. It don't have to be ugly, but people should compete like with, with uh Rizza and Preen. They yeah. were bigging each other up the whole night. But it was very much within the spirit of competition. Like I think that can be done. But everybody yeah. seems yeah. to be a little bit um you know a little weary of that and, and I get it. Well you had you had um you had Gucci and uh Jeezy, you know that one that one <laughs> Yeah that was a little contentious. Little that was a little, little heated. That one got a little tense. Yeah, Gucci didn't care. <laughs> right, right. He went up there like a man that was at peace with with everything. <laughs> I was clutching my pearls when he did the, the one song about mm-hmm. killing his friend. I'm yeah, uh, man. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, but uh, 
But I don't know, man. I, I'm not. I'm not holding my breath for for a Pac and Biggie battle. But I don't know, man. I, I talk mess, but if they actually did it, I, I might be right there watching it. You never know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you never know. But uh, also in news nuggets, I don't know if y'all heard about this uh, with Kanye. The story about Kanye West getting sued by yeah. the backup musicians from his Sunday service. Did you guys hear the story? I read about it this morning. Um, okay. Yeah, he, he hadn't paid or he's paying, making late payments or hasn't paid the choir and also the additional staff. Like he has not paid them for their services. Yes. Yeah, so apparently it's, it's a class action lawsuit. It says here, it says West conducted the church-like performances throughout the country in 2019 and even taking the event international March of last year. However, the lawsuits uh, in question sent around a p- particular Sunday service in November 2019 uh, when the Yeezy founder debuted his opera at the Hollywood Bowl in Los Angeles titled Nebuchadnezzar. It says... Uh, it was filed on behalf of 500 performers who claimed they were forced to work for two days with no meals or breaks. The lawyer representing the group said that for their time, they were reportedly told they would be paid $500 no matter how much time they worked. And he recounts how they were forced to sit on the floor because there was not enough seating as well as walk back from the venue because they were not made aware that their transportation to the location was one way. Uh, they're suing for lost wages, overtime, compensation, meal and rest breaks, damages, yada yada. Yeah, they said they were, they were, they were, they had a horrible time, and basically they were, they were not allowed to take food breaks or bathroom breaks uh, for two days straight. I don't know, man. Like, like, <laughs> see, it's, it's, it's stories like this that make me. <laughs> Make me feel a little justified when I was writing off Kanye when he was talking all this red, running for president stuff and people were like, no, 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 he's got good ideas. And it's like, yeah, a lot of people have good ideas, but can they execute them? How are you going to run for office or function in office when you can't even put things in place to compensate your backup musicians? And I'm sure these people who signed up for this, for those people, this is a teachable moment. You know, I'm sure when this came along, you know, they saw this as a great opportunity to to have this great creative and artistic experience and bask in the genius of Kanye. And even if they didn't get paid that much, they could walk away with this experience and, you know, put this on a resume and, you know, go on to perform in greater venues and and all of that. But I don't know, man. It's it's just a shame that it played out this way. Right. I mean, it was... it, it kind of only could end that way, right? Like Kanye is very much about the brand of Kanye, and not a whole lot outside of that. Yeah, I've been saying yeah. it forever, I mean, man. He, he Dude fought. ain't been right since since Dr. West died. Like, yeah, yeah. He he talks a good game. Like you know, he talks as if he wants to change the music industry where it's artists first and you know screw these labels these 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 big record labels that are doing artists dirty but at the end of the day man like he's part of the same machine that he's critical of i agree with that he kanye's about kanye when it's all said and done he likes the attention he loves the attention so i mean this doesn't surprise me um i read that article too well an article that talked about well it's 
they're always trying to defend him in some way. Um, well, he's not the one writing the checks. He's not the one that's over that. His people are. But this is his brand. This is his product. So he mm -hmm. should take care of his people when it's all said and done. That's on him. So let's not make excuses on why he didn't pay these people or why the treatment was so horrible. Kanye is about Kanye when it's all said and done. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, yeah. I mean, even if he's not the one cutting the checks, like, you, your name is on a lawsuit. So maybe you should have been a little more hands on. I don't I don't believe for one second that it was done with malice. I don't think that he would like, you know, actively deny people things that they needed. No, I don't think it was done with malice either. I, I think this is just well, I'm sorry, I cut you off. Go ahead. Also, I just think it was overlooked because it wasn't important. Like the little people will be taken care of and, you know, maybe some of that stuff got back to him. Maybe it didn't. But I. I I can imagine. I can see a world where it would have gotten back to him, and it just didn't matter enough to do anything. Like the show must go on, and I, and I need this, I need this Sunday service to to pop off, and so just make it happen. Yeah, yeah. I, I honestly, I would chalk it up to probably it's some 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 form of incompetence. Just sure. You know, not knowing like, okay, are these, is these people, are they straight? Do we have all their information so we can make sure they get paid? Like, I, I think it was just a, just an old fashioned case of incompetence. Mm -hmm. but, uh, you know, hey, what are you going to do? Like I said, let this be a teachable mo moment. I am a, a very uh, pro-union person. So, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm one of these people that thinks that everyone needs to be in a union. You know, actors, writers, musicians, rappers. There's strength in numbers, you know. Chicago Teachers Union is is, is learning that right now as we speak, uh, battling Lori Lightfoot. But um, Uncle Lori ain't playing with them, man. <laughs> moving right along, um, we have this this other story, man. Colorism is rearing its ugly head again, man. This D Danny Lay story, is that how you say her name? Uh, I, I don't know. I I was calling her Danny Lee, but maybe it's that's Danny what Lee. I would think. Yeah, I think it's Lee. Okay, Danny Lee then. And Brandy, I promise you, I'm gonna have you on for shows that don't include colorism as a topic. <laughs> uh. <laughs> <laughs> but I gotta I gotta get a people what they want. <laughs> so with this with this story, this singer i use that term loosely she released a song called yellow bone where she's talking about her boyfriend who her boyfriend happens to be a a famous rapper uh the baby uh where she's talking about how he wants a yellow bone he wants a yellow bone and uh yada yada um and of course it's understandably it it, it sparks some controversy um, and accusations of, of colorism flew and, 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 you know, and she caught it. She caught a bit of a backlash. And at first she kind of digged her heels in a little bit, but then a day later she went online and she apologized and tried to explain her position and, you know, her reasons behind doing the song. It's, it's, it's all very just unfortunate, but what, what were y'all's reactions to this story? What do y'all think? Do you think that, the uh, the backlash and, and the hate she got in, in return for doing the song was justified. Um, what do you, what do y'all think? Well, I think it's more of the motive why she made the song. 
um, <laughs> because I, I mean, I, I did some reading on, reading on this and I looked at a show on this and basically she was, she posted something about how she's not black and how she did like a ancestry thing and how it was, how she had little African in her, if at all any. So she was like happy at the fact that she was, I guess you can say she was a white Dominican cause she's Dominican, I believe. Um, but then the other half of that is why she did it to begin with is because of the baby's ex or the baby's, baby's mama. I, I guess this is what's coming out now that um, his baby's mother is, is of dark complexion and she has the baby and this was just like a, a, a track basically to rub it in his baby mama's face. Well, I'm light skinned, you know, he likes the light skin, the yellow bone, but I mean, does she, why, why are we making a track about what color you are if you just said that you weren't, excuse me, black to begin with? So why does it matter? You know, um, I think it's real childish. I think it's petty. I, 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 first off, I don't have a problem with people embracing their skin tone because we have um, songs about brown skin girls and we have lots of songs about the different skin tones of being a black woman or black man. But when you're using it to target someone to be hateful or to be mean, and then you're a few months before, however long before, you were saying you weren't black at all. So what is it? What what are you what what are you playing? What card are you playing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What what are you really taking aim at? Yeah. Well, what what do you think, Jamil? Um, I think that that's a a really valid point. Like. It's clout chasing, just like anything else. I, I think that um, somebody recognized that the uh, the conversation would would be a hot one, and so it was worth having her get involved in the song. And it, as far as you know, taunting uh, the the baby mama, like that's that happens, right? Like that that doesn't surprise me at all that that would be the case. And if this is something that would um, that this woman would have been insecure about or just something that uh you know the artist I, what's her name again danny danny lee uh <clears throat> excuse me would have recognized that the baby mama would have been hurt by it then it's it's that much better for her right i'm gonna I'm you know kind of poke at uh my current lover's ex-lover and lover sounds so old my bad <laughs> <laughs> What, what, what is this? The forties? <laughs> what what the kids say? The her bay. Um, <laughs> just make myself sound even older. Um, I mean, it's 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 doubly beneficial to her from her point of view. Um, and as far as I'm concerned, with the backlash, like you had it coming, right? You <laughs> you had the op you had the opportunity to say no to this project. Um, you had an opportunity to perhaps make some tweaks to it or you had an opportunity really to keep your mouth shut altogether on your own background. I think it's, it's kind of a toxic soup of things that, that allow for uh, the backlash to happen. But at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to harm her in any way. Like if anything else, it, it's going to kind of boost her, uh, boost her star a little bit because yeah. conversation going on around her but it's, it's not going to do any real damage 
Yeah, to be honest, I, I never even heard of this chick till this till this controversy. Exactly. <laughs> to be quite honest, Brandy, you said that she had put up a video about her posting her ancestry. Was this before or after this? This was before the song came out. So that's mm. why it was more of a controversy because she was posting and basically she posted a picture of her parents for their anniversary and then she posted a picture or, or posted Ancestry.com. I don't know which site she used, but she posted the results okay. and how she was little African. Like there was little African in her family or her bloodline or whatever you want to call it. And so now you're making a song about being a yellow bone. Well, yellow bone is a black woman who's light skin. So what are you, what are you saying? What's going on with you? What, what, is it because it, I don't know. What are you it's, trying it's to do? It's opportunistic. Yeah, it, it, that's it what is. I think it is. It's, it's, it's black fishing. It's, it's trying to, it's trying to step in and step out, but kind of weaponize something that has been harmful to the black community for, for so many years. Man, it's, it's a lot to unpack with this story because, okay, first of all, like, I don't know if y'all heard the song. The song, just objectively speaking, like, bad messaging extracted, it's a terrible song. Like, it is. Just, <laughs> it is. Just it's audibly. Horrible. Like, I didn't know if she was singing, rapping, whispering. Like, I, I, I didn't know, I didn't know what it was. And it, if, if my ears could vomit, <laughs> oh, wow. like, like, they would have. Like, it was a, it was a terrible song. Well, you know, in her apology where she talked about, well, I wasn't intending to put anybody down and how can people say I'm 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 colorist when I'm dating a, when I'm dating a black man at all excuse. It's like, OK, here we go with this. Right. And, you know, why can't I why can't I make a song to celebrate my my yellow baddies? It's like this is the thing. And, and this this speaks to her not actually being a part of the black community real light-skinned blacks and i hate to use the term real because you know but light-skinned blacks who are actually from the black community and plugged into the post of the black community they know why this stuff is problematic mm -hmm. um right there's no explanation needed it's it's not at all equitable to point to ndre and talk about a song made to celebrate dark-skinned men or women and say, oh, this is the same thing, because it's not. You know, a, a, a song like that isn't gonna upend centuries of white supremacy and colorism, which is what she's, she's in effect championing. You know, it's, it's different. And, and we all know who's benefited from colorism and who's, who's on the receiving, you know, end of the, the bad end of colorism. We, we already know, so there's no explanation there. So for a dark skinned person to make a song celebrating dark skin, it's not a put down, it's an, it's an empowerment of, of sorts. You know, speaking for myself as a, as a you know, fairly light skinned dude, you know, this kind of hits close to home for me because, you know, I have a dark skinned brother. And growing up, I saw how he was treated different from me, even, even by other black people. You know, so that was something that always wrangled with me, even at a very, very young age. You know, I was like, you know, hold up. Like, this is my brother. Like, this is, you know, this is not right. And then for me, it was like, it was no other explanation. So so for, for, for a lot of people, you know, my, my skin tone, it's like, there's, there's no explanation needed. It's like, you already know why, why this is problematic. Mm -hmm. Most so, people, some, some people are, are 
somewhat oblivious to it. I think it's a, there's an age thing that may have something to do with it. Some people are willfully obtuse to it. Some people just, you know, are, are actively turning their eye away from what what they recognize as the truth. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, and you have people even our age, you know. You, and you're right, Jamil. It, it could be an age thing. It could be that, you know, throughout her short life, I don't know how old she is, but <clears throat> she seems to be yeah. fairly young. Yeah. Um, but through, it, it's a good chance that throughout her life, she just never had to confront this head on or right. always benefited in some form from the colorism. So to her, it's not a big deal. Um, right. But uh, yeah, yeah, it could be an age thing, but you, you've got people our age who when when it when it's right there in their face they don't see it they just simply don't see it um but that's what i mean by being willful <clears throat> excuse me willful about it like you see it things things yeah. are, are are blatantly obvious and if i am a person who let's say i'm a, I'm a dude that feels this way right and i i you know champion the yellow bone or i i, I don't date dark-skinned women or whatever you know whatever iteration of that that same basic statement goes then yeah, I'm kind of invested in making sure that I appear to not understand what you're talking about or denying that it's that it's actual. Because otherwise, I got some some explaining to do. So I'm invested in making sure that 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 position is is it, you know going to hold strong, whether I recognize it internally or not. I ain't gonna let you know that. Yeah. 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 And once you are a certain, I'm sorry, go ahead. Okay, go ahead. Once you are of a certain age, if, if you're my age or our age or whatnot, there's no denying it. I have a, right. a, a brown skinned daughter. She's 14. She's aware of it. She's definitely made, been made aware of it by people in our own community. So right. it's, I, I don't know this young lady. I don't know her circumstance. And you're right. She probably has been privileged because of the color of her skin but there's no excuse there's none her her the, the man that she's with has experienced colorism in some form growing up trust me on that because he's no a dark, the darker color brother so there's really no excuse at all at this point yeah yeah i i, I agree you know not not to dig too deep here but what are what are you all's personal experiences with colorism Oh, well. I, Go ahead, Jamil. Go ahead. I'm. I'm Jamil, really, you fair, you fairly in between. So. That's that's exactly what I was gonna say. I'm <laughs> I'm really fortunate that it doesn't personally affect me because I'm dead in the middle, so I'm not, you know, too far one way or the other. I like, I get the the benefit of making fun of light skinned folks and dark skinned folks equally because I don't have <laughs> to deal with their struggles, and I often do that. When you were uh, talking about your brother, though, and I was I was literally thinking the same thing, though, because I have that's my situation. Um, my younger brother is is, uh, is is darker than I am. And it is apparent that he got treated differently than I do. We are both black males and, you know, can can um, by some people you know be, be viewed as um intimidating we don't always smile and you know we we're not the smallest of people um but between the two of us you know he he certainly got a lot worse 
um, of, uh, of that than I did. And it's clearly because of our skin tones. Like standing side by side, we look very much alike with that that being really the only difference. Like we're about the same height, built pretty similarly. It's just that he's, you know, a couple shades darker than I am. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, Brandy? Well, I have a sister that is biracial and I have a sister whose father is dark. And um, I'm my brother's light. I have, I have two sisters that are dark skin. And I, as I said, I have a daughter who's dark is brown skin. I have a grandma who is from that age, that era, that brown paper bag era, who she's very fair. She's a mixed race. And she has told, I mean, when I was little, I grew up hearing that my sister was ugly. She's ugly. She's, she's, she's looked like a tar baby. You know, those little derogatory remarks. And be glad that you're light skin. Be glad that you, you have a lighter complexion. I mean, that was instilled in us when we were young and I'm like, I'm 41. So it's not like this was back in the, the days, this was in the eighties. So right. it was, it's very much prominent in my family. Um, well, if you are of a darker color, expect less. That's basically what we, that generation told us, expect less. You know, you're not as pretty, so you, you accept what you get. Now, if you are a little bit lighter, if you're my biracial sister or my my brother, my biracial brother, then you know you're going to have the life. Your life is going to be greater. It's going to be better. That's basically what we were told. Mm, mm. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 an ugly uh, history, um, and uh, you know I don't know, man. We we <laughs> there, there's a lot of work that's going to need to be done to undo it. Um, about, by the way, like, like I never heard the term yellow bone before. I've heard the term red bone, but I, I've never heard the term yellow bone. That's, that's new to me. But then again, I'm not, I'm not, I don't have any exposure to Afro Caribbean, uh, or should I say Afro Latina, uh, culture. So maybe that's something I'm just not up on. Um, that ain't, I don't think that's, uh, Afro Latina stuff though. I, like the first time I ever remember hearing it was from Lil Wayne. Really? Okay. So, yeah, so in my opinion, it, it's nonsense. It was it was a play on words, and and I could be wrong, right? Maybe there is a, a long history, but uh, knowing what I do know of Lil Wayne, I, I'm fairly confident in saying that if he used it, it was not because there was some greater historical context. <laughs> yeah, I gotcha. I gotcha. What's going on, Vince? What's up? What's up? Hey, Brandy. Hey, what's up, Vince? Hey, hey what's up, you, you, what you, up you, walked, you walked in on a deep conversation but you know uh you know just speaking of my experiences with colorism like i, I dealt with a lot of cats who would, would would pick at me you know specifically for being light-skinned it wasn't no secret it's like they told you that's why they were picking on you but you look at the chick on the arm and it was always a light-skinned chick so to me that kind of that kind of spoke more to how they saw color you know than anything it's like okay the light-skinned dude is the threat but the light-skinned chick is the prize and you know i think unfortunately that you know that mentality is just kind of you know uh, continued throughout uh, you know uh, uh, generations and and i'm not I'm, I'm not saying anybody needs to be ashamed of what they are none of us none of us had a choice in how we looked you know none of us picked how we look like a video game character 
before we were born. So, you know, I do think that while people need to be proud of what they are and who they are, you still need to acknowledge the, the ugly history that has uh, has caused some to be that's been weaponized, basically, to make others feel inferior, even within our own community. Real quick, Vince, I, um, I don't know if you've been paying attention to this, this Danny Lay, Danny Lee's Yellowbone uh, controversy. Did you have any thoughts on it? Um, no, I haven't really paid attention to the controversy. I'm assuming, though, is she getting flack for um, saying that or making a song based off of that? Correct. Specifically the Yellowbone portion of it. Well, I would have to... I mean, like, what is the song about? Well, she said it's about... <clears throat> well, she said a couple of things. First, she said it was about just her and herself and the relationship between her and her man being proud of who she is. Then she said, oh, it's a song to big up my yellow baddies. And it wasn't a shot at anybody. But, um, you know, those those excuses aren't, ain't really holding up. You know, it's it's what she's doing is is, is further perpetuating the the idea that women of a lighter skin tone are more desirable. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes it's not what you say; it's how you say it. You know, certain things. It's got some smoke. It's gonna have some smoke attached to it. And sometimes people want that, sometimes they don't. And then they double down on it, which doesn't necessarily help. Um, so I don't like, I don't know the, the particulars, but like when you, a lot of times that is a, 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 a place of contention for, you know, black people is that uh, lighter skin, darker skin. It's even jokes that's always going on through you know, on social media, like this is how a light skinned person would act, or this is how a dark skinned person is. Like the light, you know, yeah, I know y'all seen, seen the light skinned lion. The light skinned lion uh, roaring, and he's that singing. Is never not gonna be funny to me. I'm sorry. That's hilarious. <laughs> but like that, all that goes. I, and I've seen that my whole life because my mother extremely light skinned. My uncle is just as light skinned as you are, and um, he has red hair. Uh, so my son is he's pretty light skinned so it's like that's something that's always been going on like in my family you see the differences with things but it's not even it's not really a big deal in my family but it never is so it never got ugly within your family oh no we never paid it like in our family that, that, that didn't go on at all but like outside the family is when it got weird because I started realizing like wait a second it, it this it, it, it's a thing outside, you know, out in the world. But at home, it was nothing. Yeah. It's just what it was. And so, that changed. My bad. No, I'm just saying, like, you know, there's gonna be some women that are gonna come for your head when you, you know, if you say certain things a certain way. You um, know, I guess she's doubling down on it from from the small stuff I heard about it. But you know, it is what it is. I guess. Yeah, but what, what, what specifically with her? It's it's if there's an issue of her even owning being black, and then like because she didn't at first, and now that she's made a song called Yellowbone, now she's she's stepping into a black identity, so to speak, to basically be able to profit off this song and 
but she doesn't even she doesn't even realize how how bad the messaging behind the song is so that's 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 kind of the issue you know and uh <clears throat> hey you know um, i think if she did it right like i said it's not what you say it's how you say it so i just think well in her case is what she said <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah that's what i'm saying i mean but like it's it's not like she it's not like she was she made a song that was celebrating blackness in all its different shades you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Right. No, she just, it just wasn't palatable. Like, I've, I've, I've seen a number of people say the same exact thing, but different ways. And it's just the message didn't come across right. Like, you can, you can big up one side without, or one thing without, um, like, talking about the exact opposite. It just didn't feel, it seems like the way she did it, it seems like she was, like talking about the opposite or that's how it came across so, right yeah there were accusations that she was talking about somebody very specifically who was on the opposite opposite side of, of shade and uh or skin tone so you know i don't know i i don't have the lyrics in front of me and i couldn't i couldn't the song was so terrible i, I couldn't parse the lyrics enough you know <laughs> to tell but i'm not any lee here or whatever they you know, I, 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 oh, overall, it's, it's, it was it was pretty problematic. But we're going to move on. We're going to move on to our next topic. I usually don't get to these these unpopular opinions this early, but I really, really wanted to revisit this one. This was an unpopular opinion expressed by my co-host Jamil uh, a few weeks ago, and the unpopular opinion that he espoused was that most Def's discography is just average. And we, we put up a few arguments, but we didn't really have time to dive deep into this. So I wanted to, to kind of rehash this one. So I disagree. <laughs> um, uh, Brandy, get them. <laughs> um, I disagree. I guess I'm wondering, why do you feel that way, Jamil? Why do you um, feel sick? So because you are so cool, I'm, I'm not going to even... Uh, be as sarcastic as I normally would with that. I'm just going to say that um, it was it was a lot of up and down within his discography. Um, he has had the highest of heights as far as um, hip hop albums are concerned. Like he's made as a as a solo artist and as part of a collective. You know he's had two of the 10 best hip hop albums ever made. Like two perfect albums. Um, but how does then that we equate all... to a person having an average dis- I'm sorry, I know I'm cutting you off, but how does that how does that add up to a person having just a average discography if you can acknowledge the, the great achievements that he's made to, to, to hip hop music? I am specifically talking about him as a solo artist, so I'm not considering the Black Star album at all. And I'm not really even talking about like guest verses. Just his just his albums as a solo artist are, are what I'm talking about when I said that. And even with Black on Both Sides being a, a perfect album, we also got True Magic. Yeah. And it's just it's just math in my opinion. So if Black on Both Sides is an A plus, and the New Danger is admittedly not as bad as 
most people would say. But let's say it's a at absolute best, like a B minus. True magic would get you down to a D. Uh, and then the ecstatic was really good too. So let's say that brings you back up to a B as well. That's an A. So, but a minus, eh. A minus, eh. B plus. You know. Yeah. But eh. So that gets us to like, say like a B average here, right? Between those four albums. That's above average. Let me finish. <laughs> then there's the Negus album, which none of y'all. No, 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 heard. no, no, no. So no, that's no, a zero. No. Which no. drops you down. No, 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 no. Completely no. to a C average. If you're just do that. talking mathematically. Don't do that. Don't if do that. Just talking mathematically. Don't did you hear the did you, Jamil, did you hear the Negus album? Did you hear the Negus album? No. So how can exactly. you how can it's you say it's incomplete? It doesn't count, is what I'm saying. You can't count an album that was just something they played in the background in a museum. <laughs> To, to I go actually with, just, a, with a visual exhibit, you can't count that. I actually what just threw that artists? in there because I just threw that in there for fun. Um, <laughs> right. My my real reason for for saying what I said though is um, those albums in the middle, True Magic and The New Danger, they are they just were not up to the standard that was set by Black on both sides. And although the ecstatic was kind of a comeback, I just feel like. He hit the highest of highs and never quite got even close to what that was. He just well, kind I of agree fell with off you on cliff. that. Yeah. I agree with you on that. But that doesn't make his discography average. What other yes, it artists, does. What other artists who had a debut album that is an undisputed classic, and I, I, I'm not even trying to cheat here, had a, had a uh, collaborative project with another MC that's also an undisputed classic. What other MC can say that? Jay-Z can't say that because Watch the Throne definitely was no classic. Agreed. Nas can't say that. M can't say that. Kendrick can't say that. But I'm only talking about him again as a solo artist. Now, if we if we are talking about all of his contributions to hip hop, then obviously he's well above average, right? If we just talking about guest appearances from, you know, back in the day when he was doing stuff with Bush Babies, like his 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 body that's, of work but that's technically his discography i was but when i said it i was i was strictly talking about his solo albums so maybe i used the wrong terminology when i said it i, oh. I stand behind what i mean now we're backpedaling no 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 no. that's why i want to be very clear i meant what i said <laughs> maybe you all misunderstood uh, misunderstood what i meant when i said it i was strictly just talking about his solo album. And if we want to add Black Star to the to the conversation, we can certainly do that. But I don't think that the the spectacular nature of those albums don't outweigh the stank of the work that came behind it. Okay, let's get into that. Let's get in. If we're going to stretch every, if we're going if we're going to include everything else, then let's talk about uh, a tribe called Red as well. Was that album Okay, first of all, was that album ever actually released? Yes. When was it released? I couldn't tell you what the year was because it stunk, so I wasn't checking for it. Because my the tribe uh, called Red is that the one where he did a lot of that uh, Native American music? Yeah. Because okay. I don't think that album was ever actually released. They did some promo for it. Well, I heard. Okay. It was I'm looking it up now. 
So we can so we so we gonna say it don't count? Okay, I just looked it up. A tribe called Red, it's two it's two Canadian DJs. Okay, they he's not okay, he wasn't part of the group. He was on a song that these two DJs did, but there was never an album released with with most death as part of this group. Okay. So that doesn't count. That doesn't count. But but can let's we, get into these can, albums you said can were we due. talk about Carmen? Okay, let's talk about it. That was that was what a soundtrack. But he was all over it. Uh, he was also he was also Miller. on the Brown Sugar soundtrack, yeah. which was which was dope. That was dope. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. He was also on the Black Rock album, which was dope. All right, let's talk about these albums, these solo albums, though. So you 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 had you had New Danger, which. Yes, it was a, a kind of a left turn for him, but it wasn't it wasn't a bad album. It wasn't a by standards of just like pure hip hop album, it wasn't great. And let's let's get into True Magic. Okay, True Magic fell a little short, but the, to be honest with you, the worst thing about True Magic was the mixing. Had those been finished actual finished songs, there were there were songs on True Magic that were actually kind of that were really, really good. You mean like Dollar Day? No, like Sun, Moon, and Stars, Murder of a Teenage Life, Crime and Medicine, mm-hmm. Crime and Medicine. Um, you like Crime and Medicine? The, oh wait, that's the one with, with the Jizzle beat, right? Yeah, it was okay. It was okay. But that, I mean, like, if you want to call it a stinker, that's the one stinker. So, like, what other artists can you say seventy-five percent of their discography is worth checking out? When I when I think of average discographies, I think of Benny Siegel, I think of Cameron, yes. I think of Ja Rule. Yes. But you all are talking about that. I don't song. think of most death. You're talking about that from a uh, personal uh, affinity for the type of MCs that you like, because there are people who look at a, a Benny Siegel discography or a Cameron discography and and tell you that that is you know classic material because that type of MC appeals to them. So that's why you would view them as average. I am a most deaf fan and was supremely disappointed with the middle part of his career as far as as far as uh, projects that he was putting out. Yeah, so you, said, so, you said supremely disappointed? Yes. Wow. <laughs> wow. What, what Jamil is talking about is very nuanced. He's like, he's strategically saying certain words, like not most deaf himself is this guy. But to add some more to it, I just, I don't, I can't say he's average. I can just say his attempts at something different just didn't stick. But like what he did in his attempts was still like quality stuff. It's just that it's just like, uh, I'm not really feeling it. But he put like what he wrote within it was great. All the other things around it were, were, were decent, but it just wasn't, it wasn't like a most deaf classic album situation. But you still can applaud him from his, for his, what he tried to do, it just didn't stick. It's kind of like if uh, Al- uh, Andre 3000, when he went to his uh, singing stage, but it actually worked. 
if that didn't work, then it would have been it would have been tragic for him. Oh yeah, oh yeah. I agree with that. I agree. I I really think that I I, I mean I'm sorry, Jamel, but I I do think his this discography is above average in comparison to people that came out or that are on his, I would say on his level. Um, <laughs> Because there's some trash discography, I mean, not discographies, but there's some trash albums out there that some artists I, I like have made. Um, mm -hmm. And in comparison, even though I'm, I'm not fond of the True Magic album, I'm not. I'm not even really that fond of The New Danger. Um, it's, 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 it's cool. It's, it's a good album, but it's not the best. Uh, I don't think he's ever going to be able to live up <laughs> to Black on Black, uh, Black on Both Sides, or am I saying that wrong? No, no, you got it. Like, I don't think he's ever going to live up to that. He can't. I mean, I don't think he could live up to that. That's mm. on a different level. I just think I think he's above average. I just my personal opinion, um, in comparison to some other albums and some other just trash albums that I I don't understand why we were even made or put out. <laughs> now, if you had said if you had said Talib Kweli's discography was average, yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah, but that's not that's not controversial though. There's no fun in saying that. <laughs> okay, yeah. now we've gotten to the real issue. <laughs> yeah. I see what you're doing, man. I see what you're doing. But like I said, if most deaf wanted to just spit like he does, pick a beat, write a song around it, then everything he does would technically be some classic because he's that talented. And his skill level in writing is that superb. But he's tried he's tried to step into different lanes. Like Umi says, for instance, that worked. But the other stuff, it didn't. But if he was just to just go spit, oh, it, it would be classics left and right. Yeah. Yeah. Um I, I have an unpopular opinion. I, I do want to share. Uh, I, I'm not. I'm not prepared to defend it. I, I don't have any notes or facts and figures in front of me. But my unpopular opinion is uh, Kendrick Lamar's best album is "To Pimp a Butterfly." Oh, that's unpopular for sure. I know. <laughs> and I know. Be, and, be, and beyond unpopular is just wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Like, yeah. like I'm with you that that it's a great album and, and people unfairly have hated on it. Let's not go. So, let's not go too far. And I know that's ironic coming from me right now. I understand right. this. You want to talk? I recognize the irony here. <laughs> but as my avatar says, oh, it doesn't say that. It got my name. I said what I said. <laughs> well, hey, you know. What makes you say that though? That's that that's okay. Okay, I have three reasons. One, one, it's 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 out of all his albums, it's the one that seems to collect the most from just black music and black culture in general. You got you got jazz, you got you got funk, you got you know a, a traditional West Coast hip hop sounds on there, East Coast hip hop sounds, you know experimentation. It's it's consistent. It's it, to me. It's his most consistent album. It's his most artistically daring album, and in terms of quantity, I think he he's he's he gives you the most. It's the album with the most dope songs on it. 
that's hard to say, but I, I see what you're saying. Um, I also heard, I don't know if you guys ever heard this, to pimp a butterfly was like him pimping the game almost because, you know, once you, once you become an artist like that, they want you to make commercialized music so that you sell. And, um, you know, Kendrick Lamar, he's going to always do something artistic. And uh, it was that was a that was different than what the music that was coming out, especially for artists that big. But as far as the best album, maybe most artistic. But like, actually, I like his mixtapes better than his album. So it's it's, it's hard for me to, to vibe with what you're saying. But I, I can see what you're saying for the reasons you said. I, I agree with you, Ian, because uh, and only in this way. Thank you. Thank it's, you. It's because of the different, the, the, the variety on the album. Um, but that's my specific taste. I can't speak for everybody else. My taste is I like the how it's different, different musically. Um, it's not the same old, same old. It's not even what I exact, exactly expected from the previous album. It's... A, a, a collection of different styles of music which to me opened my ears up made me want to listen to the album and I like the album because of that and I actually prefer that album because of that but I understand why other people do not agree because it is not the typical Kendrick Lamar album as they think it should be so that's kind of what I'm with like I don't know if it's better than Good Kid Mad City um, I, I do. I just do. I think it's more quality songs. It has more quality songs than Good Kid, Mad City. It was a little bit, and I, I don't get me wrong. Good Kid, Mad City is a great, excellent, dare I say, classic album. But I felt To Pimper Butterfly was just a grade above. I think there was a lot of themes that kind of went over people's heads. And I, I can't remember if it was a poem or a novel that was talking about the experiences of the black man in America and how, you know, he's, he's kind of, there's, there's this, there's all these external and internal forces at work on, you know, black youth, keeping them from, from, you know, de developing and growing into like, you know, fully actual, actualized and, and, and expressive adults. There's all these external forces that kind of build this cocoon around them and and there's a lot of internal things and, and we build a almost a self-imposed cocoon around us that keeps us down but then eventually we have an awakening or whatever you know sparks us and then we break out the cocoon and become this butterfly but it's the struggle back and forth breaking out of this cocoon is where this whole to pimp a butterfly theme comes in because it's the struggle that gets pimped I, and I can't remember if it was a poem uh, Jamil, man, can you help me out on this? Uh, I was actually looking something up. I missed what you said. Okay, well, don't, don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. But, you know, the the the, 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 the tracks where he was referring to Uncle Sam and then uh, the Lucy track, you know, short for Lucifer, you know, and, and like oh, Lucifer is coming in and he's offering all these tantalizing things to him. And the music in the background is very pleasant on purpose because... You know, that's how temptation kind of comes at you. It seems pleasant at first. And, you know, he's he's very honest on the album, like talking about his own shortcomings. I just, I don't know, man. I love it. I love that album. I feel like, though, some of the themes that you're talking about were were visited on um, uh, Good Kid, Mad City as well, just differently. Like, obviously, he's, he's a more mature artist. 
on to Pimp a Butterfly so you get some different perspectives, particularly with kind of the weight of stardom and the fear of that temptation that you talked about and also the fear of going broke. Like there were some more adult themes on it. I think that just made it different. I Maybe it's a, a you know, it comes down to personal taste again. Um, I don't know. I, I, I don't know if I can, can rock with you on that one. I'm, <laughs> I think it, it's, it's better than some of the other cast might say. Like I know some, some folk uh, that's not, not fans of it. Yeah, Greg, Greg would come from my head, you know. Okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'll, I'll, I will give you this, though. Like, musically and, and sonically, it, it's definitely better um, because you do get a more rich soundscape on this one than you got on Good Kid, Mad City. Like, that's a hood album. As, as you know, as much as you got an opportunity to kind of explore some of these themes, it was still very much from a hood perspective. Um Whereas it's, it's to, a, pimp, to pimp a butterfly was was much more artistic. Yeah, I mean, I mean, Good Cat Man City. It was it was very much a hood coming of age story and concept. Right, right. You know, but but you you walked you walked away with you know a, a pretty good idea of where he was coming from, what type of person he is. So you know, I'm not trying to dog that one, you know, by any means. I'm I'm just I just think to pimp a butterfly. He just he just outdid us. Who John Blaze in that? Yeah, it was yeah, it was more John Blaze. So, but you know, hey, that's 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 me. I, I know I know it's unpopular, but uh, thank you, Brandy, for having my back. <laughs> so, like, you called in a ringer this week. <laughs> All right. Um, so that I, actually that kind of feeds into our next uh, segment. I just wanted to talk on this briefly. This was interesting. This was a a, a quote from. A younger rapper by the name of Polo G, he had, in an interview, he had made a, a comment about, or maybe it was a, a Twitter post or something. He said, one thing I learned as an artist, you got to limit the amount of feedback you take in from fans because you will drive yourself crazy trying to please them. Just do you. They say, hey, yo, your music sound the same. You switch your flow and they're going to ask you to go back to how you used to rap. Most of the super critics don't even be true friends because your 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 core fan base is going to feel you however you come. Um, do y'all agree with him? Do you all think that that artists need to be more need to be dismissive of fan be, fan feedback regarding their music, or do they need to be more receptive? What, what do y'all think? Um, if I go first, I think you need to teeter right in the middle. So you don't want to be too receptive and you don't want to be too unresponsive because the unresponsive, it, it hinders the pain in some degree. But at the same time, what got you fans is what you did initially on your own because nobody gave you feedback because there was nobody to get feedback from. But your music should, you should, you, your feedback should be based off of applying it to how you do what you do. So it's like, all right, how can I apply what I'm hearing as feedback into what I do? Not like just listen wholeheartedly to what is said. Like you need to do this, you need to do that. It's like, all right, I need to do this in reference to how I do it. And when you take that, like for instance, with DJing, um, I have to, I get feedback from people, but I can't just take it in the sense of, what this person is saying because then I'm gonna sound just like this other person, this DJ that they just adore so much. 
like you need to do this more like this person like no I, I need to figure out how that makes sense for how I do what I do so that's what I think in terms of you you you, you gotta do it's like you gotta do both you gotta listen and apply it in the way you you know your creative license if that makes any sense no that makes sense I, I hear I hear you yeah I I would say um, don't let the fans kill your creativity. Um, I understand that the fans have an opinion. Everybody always has an opinion. Um, and there are certain things that they want to hear. But I agree with um, him when he says his core fans, his main fans are going to rock with him. Even if he, if he falls short, they're going to rock with him. You, know? you want to be respectful to your fans because you, you appreciate having them. But at the same time, don't let them kill your process. Don't let them kill your flow. Um, people, <laughs> I just personally know that there's always going to be someone that says they don't like your stuff or your style. If you try to change, if you mature in your music or you mature in your writing, someone's going to always have something to say. And it's not always going to be positive. Don't let people kill your flow or your creativity process. Um, sometimes you have to tune people out. And, and just do you and focus on what's in your head and getting it out on paper or whatever. I'm one of those people that I, I you know, we, fans, people who like your sound and whatever you're doing, they're appreciated. You love them for appreciating you and, and what you can give to, to them. But at the same time, there is a limit. And, you know, we don't know each other personally. <laughs> so I'm, I'm more rigid with that. Like, I respect what you have to say, but that doesn't mean I'm listening to you. Right. Right. Yeah, I, I, I the thing with, I, I'm kind of impressed that this, this rapper uh, has seemed to caught on to that at such a young age because um, truth of the matter is a lot of fans, they don't know what they want. <laughs> they don't know what they want to hear from artists until they hear it. Um, and I, I think a lot of, um, I think a lot of artists you you have to allow them to grow you have to allow them to experiment because when you do that you you if, if you don't allow them to do that number one you're holding the artist back and you're also not allowing the the, the, the culture to, to, to press forward with new sounds and new ideas you know had everybody wanted outcast to sound like wu-tang you know some of the best albums that we've gotten for the genre would never have been recorded you know i look at i look at kanye you know um you know for better or for worse he's been allowed to kind of grow and develop and oh maybe he's not a good example I, let's let's go to someone like common you know we would have we wouldn't have <laughs> never got <laughs> we would have never got b had we not got electric circus you know yeah. so when, when artists are kind of experiment and see what works what doesn't work and kind of get certain things out of their system you know, I, I think it's for the better in the long run. Yeah, yeah, like take Use most it. of that for example. <laughs> <laughs> I was just full of bad examples this evening. Because <laughs> Common is is a funny is a funny example to use, and that Electric Circus B comparison totally makes sense. But at some point that goes too far, right? Because we let him continue to experiment, and then we got Universal Mind Control. Um, what yeah, I'll but say then about right after that, we got the Dreamer and the Believer. Yep. 
and eventually we got a beautiful uh <laughs> beautiful revolution so like we got it we got to cap this at something i'm being kind of silly about it what i um I agree with what what you all were all saying. I think we're all kind of saying the same thing. One point that I would like to bring up though, and I don't I didn't I don't know the tenor of the comment, like I didn't read it, and I'm not really certain how it was intended, but something that I've I've noticed about artists in particular and young artists even more specifically, um, you can get siloed and anything anybody that has any kind of critique for your work is a hater right so you you just kind of tune all of that stuff out and you, you that too can stifle your growth right you don't um you're not listening to anything that anyone has to say about it and this is what i want to do and because i'm the artist i'm right like this thing that i want to do is the correct thing to do um and it can't be that there has to be some sort of a balance that that takes place with what you really need honestly any any artist or anybody who's involved in anything creative <clears throat> excuse me you really just need somebody that you trust and that you respect and give them the ear that doesn't necessarily have to be your fans right but you do need somebody that you can go like yo what what was that about like I'll, I'll even put this one out there. Like um, occasionally, when we do the show, I'll stop. text in like, "Yo, you know, such and such happened in in this segment. What do you think?" Right. Now I'm not gonna just put that out to the audience and ask you guys what what you think because it doesn't hold the same weight. I love y'all, but I don't care what you think under those circumstances. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> There, there's there's I know I don't know what sparked these comments by Polo G, but I, I think he was I, I get the feeling he was referring more to lyrical content than um than than particular like you know sounds or, or music or, or production or anything like that. And the truth of the matter is like you know our artists our artists they grow up man they they experience new things they see things differently they wanna they wanna speak on their life experiences and I I, I think they should be allowed to do that and. In a lot of cases, fans grow up. You know, imagine right. imagine being an artist and you're still trying to recapture the spirit of a certain sound you you had ten years ago, but your friend your, your fans have grown up. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, I I do think that's that's kind of dangerous. Uh, and 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 you know, fans kind of need to take a back seat. Like it's the job of the artist to dictate the art, and it's the job of the fans to dictate the sales. Now. When it when it comes to kind of freezing artists in time, do you all feel that this works the worst, or, or this this pigeonholes mainly, um, or or it's 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 more it's more exemplified in the cases of female MCs? How so? Well, female MCs, you know, not all, but but a lot when they come out. Their their overall message is, is very sexual. It's, it's, it's right. often over over sexualized. Do you think that fans wanting to see them in that particular mode pigeonholes them into being one trick ponies basically throughout their career? Not if not if she the artist strategically 
uses that influence to get her real music out. Like, you think about Lil' Kim, for instance. You know how sexualized she was, but then she got songs like Put Your Lighters Up, you know? Um, you got She got some, some nice deep songs, but it's like around the engine of her, you know, her appeal and the songs she write for the music, you know, or for, for the, um, you know, the commercialized stuff. So it's, you know, or you think about Rhapsody. So, um, I don't think she's... Well, I, I thought about Rhapsody because a lot of people, okay, Rhapsody, she does, you know, socially conscious hip hop very well. When she kind of, anytime she kind of deviates out of that lane, people kind of not feeling it. Yeah, they come for her. Because America hates women in general. Like, no, I mean, I say that tongue in cheek, but that's. No, you're right. That's why, that's why I'm laughing. Like, I, I, I think that's, you know, I like, don't know, man. I, I think I think it hits female MCs the hardest. Um, yeah. I can see that. I, I I was unclear on what you meant at first, but that makes sense. Um, because yeah, when, when Rhapsody, Rhapsody is probably certainly right now the the poster child for like anti-stripper rap, and you know they hold her up as, as this example of what a what a female MC should look like, and use her as a way of you know comparing her to like the Megs and the, the Cardis, and like you you know they're they're just this right they use her as the as a way to disparage that but even rhapsody would say look i i, I work too not all the time but you know i i get down the same way they do you know i just have other things to offer I, I, and i think that is the reason why when she steps out of her lane and and does something that might be a little more sexual or just you know lyrics that that speak to her as a woman and not just an mc then, then she can't be used as this like gold standard of MCing to kind of uh, measure other other women who rap against that. But it all comes down to you know how society views women in general. Like you gotta you gotta occupy the space that we want you to. Um, and if you don't, then they're coming for you. Exactly. People, they're really quick to box in female anything. So you a female MC and you a dope MC such as Rhapsody, she she she's a woman and I, I she she has the same feelings that all of us have. But if she did a feature with a Megan Thee Stallion, which I'm not saying she ever would, but if she did, they people would come for her. It would be murder. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I mean she's she's pretty much boxed in this. I gotta be socially conscious. I gotta be that that rapper i gotta be on that standard like you said jamil she can never be maybe the other side of her she can't do that yeah that's, that's yeah. the way it is yeah i think that's unfortunate um you know i remember reading an interview with her uh where she was saying uh she was like you know <laughs> she was saying you know i want to i want to go to a party i want to put my butt up on somebody's son you know <laughs> And I was like, yeah, touche. You're, you're, you know, you're a human being with, with with feelings and needs just like everybody else. And you need to cut loose. But I, I think, unfortunately, like, yeah, you, you get seen as being the, the, the torchbearer for a particular style of rap. And, 
you know, people just want you to, to just stay in that lane. And it, it works the other way for the Megans and the Cardi B's, you know. Right. You know, if Cardi B ever did a political record, like, yeah, I don't know how it would be received. I think they would, they would, you know, people would be extremely dismissive and critical. You know, oh, what, you, true, what, you, what you know, you know, you're just a dumb ex-stripper, you know. Um, I mean, that's what they do to her when she speaks. Yeah, that is yeah. true. I think that's because, and that, that it, it is more aggressive with women, but I think it's just that period with uh, like, if you don't show who you are, all of the facets of who you are as a person when you first start off, you will get typecasted to stay with what was shown, that first impression. It takes a while for it to to fade to for people to accept something else. Like they wanted Ludacris to be goofy his entire career. But like he got older, that started to fade because he's getting older, you know? Yeah, and, and the second he stopped being goofy, he won a Grammy. Right. So, you know, I, I say all that to say, I think we're all kind of saying the same thing. Like fans kind of need to chill and take a back seat and kind of trust the artists to, to take their own journey, you know? Except for except for uh, Lupe Fiasco, he should not be left up to his own devices. Like he needs to listen to his fans. Like a lot of times, the people that really are talking out loud, they troll. They're trolls anyway. Um, you, yeah, you don't get a lot of people that like a lot of people are. Their whole reason of writing anything is to trigger someone. Like it's not any type of real feedback. It's like, it's just, let me see if I can get this person riled up. And then once they can, they'll keep going with it. But like most of the time, like any real feedback you get is not going to be from a fan through social media or something. Yeah, yeah. I, I think we covered that well. I think we covered that well. But moving right along to our next topic for the night, um, our album Face Off. As you all know, every week we try to do an album face-off where we take two albums from the past, review them, put them against each other, weigh in on which one we felt was doper. Uh, much in the spirit of, I don't know if y'all remember back when we had record stores and you were going to record store and you might only had enough money to buy one album and you can't decide which two, so you ask the people who work there, which one of these should I go with? And right. conversation ensued. I, I hope I'm not the only one who did that. But no, <laughs> not at all. <laughs> All right. So this week, um, we've got Black Eyed Peas, uh, their debut album, Behind the Front, going up against Black Alicious, their debut album, Nia. Um, now, both of these are two independent West Coast groups, or at least they, one of them, they were at the time. Um, they came up around the same time. And OK, so in one corner, we got uh, Black Eyed Peas with Behind the Front. Released June 30th, 1998 on Interscope Records. It clocked in at 74 minutes and 16 tracks. Produced by Will I Am and Paulie, Paul Poli and somebody named Celos. And then in the other corner, we have Black Alicious with their album, their debut album, Nia. Released August 30th, 1999 on Moax Records. Clocking in at 70 minutes and 19 tracks. Produced mainly by Chief Excel, the other half of the group and two tracks produced by DJ Shadow. Uh, Black Alicious is the duo of Chief Excel, producer Chief Excel and MC Gift the Gab. Um, so I'm gonna I'm I'm give it up to you all. 
uh, between these two albums, which one were y'all feeling more and why? Well, I'll go. Oh, I'm sorry. Please. Um, I listened to both of the albums, and I have to say, just for personal reasons, I, of course, like Black Eyed Peas better. I, I listened to that album when I was in college a lot. Oh, wow. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I, I Memories. Did. So, right. it's, yeah, it's good memories for me. I, it's just, it's an experience for me. And that's why I appreciate it. Not to say I didn't like Blackalicious, Nia, um, it's long. That album is super long to me. Um, but I have awesome memories and I just, it was pre when they became real commercial and started doing, I mean, not saying that their stuff afterward was whack or anything like that, but um, not all of it anyway, but um, <laughs> I just really love that album. I love, love the album. And of course, a couple of tracks from, I don't know, just being young and being out there and just learning myself at the time and growing up and, and beginning to be, begin, beginning to be, to be an adult. I remember this album very vividly. Mm. Mm. Okay. Okay. So we got one in for the Black Eyed Peas. All right, Jamil. Jamil, which one were you feeling more? This one came down to me. You know, one one of the albums was better lyrically. Uh, the other one sounded better. Both had high highs and both had some skippables. Um, I think I'm a roll with, with Brandy on this one with the Black Eyed Peas. Like, Nia was superior lyrically for sure because can't nobody in black eyed peas rap like that's just <laughs> that's just it <laughs> um but will i am is well will i am is, can rap uh, he's sufficient on the mic i'll put it that way he's a he's good for a producer like he's he's uh, as a producer on the mic i'll give him that not the worst but <laughs> Yeah, I don't. Um, I'm, I'm not overly impressed with with them lyrically, but um, as a complete project, I think that one that one takes the cake just by a hair. Um, Nia was dope, and I and I don't, you know, make want to make it sound like uh, the beats on Nia were were not good because that's not the case. Um, it just uh, the the Black Eyed Peas project is just yeah, just better sonically and the shortcomings lyrically that the Black Eyed Peas had were not enough to give me the edge in my opinion okay alright wow okay Black Eyed Peas wrecking shop I respect it Vince you need to check these albums out yeah I did I, I remember I remember them and then I, I went you know glossed over them again but the thing about the Nia thing the Nia album for me was that I just didn't connect with it. Like, like um, Jamil hit on all the points about it. I just didn't connect with it. I don't. I can't. Explain, I can't figure out why. But I just didn't. Now, as far as the Black Eyed Peas, now they aren't lyricists, but they write in a way that makes you listen. But they aren't lyricists. <laughs> way they write you do listen to what they're saying i don't know if it's the way they their delivery or what it is it just works well with how they they, they accompany the music well and 
they brought back that feeling of good breakdancing music. Like it was like hip hop funky dance thing that they started out with. Like they were busting out breakout breakdance moves. You know, it was intermediate moves, but it's still they were doing it in the videos. And like that was it piqued my curiosity for me to want to listen to the album. And like the um, production was was done well. They just had my attention. I connected with it, but not the Nita. It's just, I don't know what it was. I just couldn't connect with it. So I give the edge to Black Eyed Peas. Okay. All right. Let me first say, I love both these albums. Um, and, they, and, and and I didn't catch on to this till I, I listened to them back to back, but uh, both these albums were, were great examples of, of positive rap as well. Like both mm-hmm. these albums were really heavy on the positivity. I too have some memories connected to Behind the Front by the Black Eyed Peas because uh, this is around the time I started getting into breakdancing and <clears throat> you know all of that. So and I love the the game show skits on the album, very yeah, yeah, yeah. De La, very De La Soul esque, mm-hmm. and likely they were paying homage to De La with, with that. And they they got their point across even though they weren't very lyrically skilled. Um, they're sufficient, but you know not great MCs. The, the beats did most of the heavy lifting on the album, combined with a lot of really catchy hooks. That being said, I gotta go with the Black Alicious. <laughs> Gift the Gab is a far better rapper and lyricist than all three of the Black Eyed Peas combined. And I think, that, I think that Chief Excel did an exceptional job on the production. I think that uh, the production was just more lush and layered and diverse. You know, not to knock the Black Eyed Peas production because that production was exceptional too. But also the subject matter was more versatile on on Nia. Um, It it wasn't a concept album, but they were were tracks that were kind of related to each other. Like like Dream Seasons is tied in a sleep. And then um, the intro track, Searching, is tied into the concluding track, Finding. I -hmm. thought that that was beautiful the way they did that and wrapped it all up at the end. The poem by Nikki Giovanni. And nothing, nothing on behind the front was nearly as creative as A to G. Nobody That's mentioned real. A to G. Yeah, that was That's real. That That's was dope. Real. That was dope. <laughs> I love A to G. I love that. You know, and, and there there were times on the Black Eyed Peas because I was I was on the fence when I listened to these back to back. I honestly was on the fence. I'm like, man, let me look at this with a more critical eye. And when I did. I was able to catch that with the peas, they there were times where they were a little too positive to a fault. There was a lot of finger waving of other MCs on the album, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but they couldn't back it up with lyrical skills. So that's that's my big knock on the album. You know, I I think that the Black Alicious just took more chances and and you know what they did, the experimentation, it just worked. And you know, but but don't get me wrong. Both of these are exceptional albums, but I, I gotta go. I gotta go with the Nia. I gotta go with the Nia. You know, the the Black Eyed Peas. It's like they they did a, a album that showed us a, an example of positive rap. But then three months later, Black Star came out, and they showed us what conscious rap really could sound like. And From people who could rap. Right, when done by people who can actually rap, and you know, I felt, I felt on the Black Eyed Peas album, they did a lot of preaching about what rap shouldn't be, 
but the Black Alicia showed us what rap could be. Mm-hmm. That's so, fair. That's that's kind of why I went with that. But I love both these albums. I love both these albums. And and one more thing, I felt they weren't really covering any ground. The Black Eyed Peas, they weren't covering any ground that had not already been covered by other groups like Tribe and Daylight and the Roots. So that's true. That's true. But still, still like the album. Still, still, I love the album. In fact, all right. So let's do a quick little, uh, let's do a quick, quick, quick little round of overrated, underrated. First one up, sledding. Um, I'm gonna go underrated. Good, clean song for the family. Yeah, and it's free. Yes, underrated. <laughs> yeah, underrated. I went, I went sledding last week, man. I one thing I did forget. I forget how wet you get sledding. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> After 15 minutes, my jeans were soaked. So, yeah, they go to the car and dry off. But, um, yeah, I'm going underrated. All right. Uh, <laughs> Childish Gambino, overrated or underrated? That's a great one. Now, are we talking his entire body of work or just his music? Mm, let's go body of work. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Music. Body of work just, is music. Just, just the music. I'm going to go a little bit overrated. Mm. Mm, that's tough. I'm gonna go underrated, man. That's tough. I don't think he gets enough credit. I think it depends on who you're talking to. I don't get how people say Drake is the is the <laughs> is the best artist of the past ten years, but then when they you bring up Chadis Gambino, it's just like eh, he aight. That's why I say it depends on who you're talking to, because he he is. Like he has a legit complaint that Will I Am tried to make. Like I feel like up until this last project <clears throat> with uh, Redbone on it, like a lot of black people really were not connecting with his sound, except for like you know hip hop. But like radio wasn't really messing with him or nothing like that. So I think that's why I say he can, depending on who you're speaking with, he could be underrated. But I'm going overrated because people who I was talking to about that, um, he's like the best thing since sliced bread, which let's let's take it take it a little easy here. <laughs> I, 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 say, I say he's underrated because his background of acting and stand up, it allows he has this this lack of fear that makes him make music convincingly that nobody else will be able to make. The songs he comes up with, nobody will be able to do it and it'd be a hit. Mm. Like um, Redbone, for instance. Nobody we, else could do that. Should, should we cancel, could, should we cancel Childish Gambino for making a song called Redbone? <laughs> <laughs> and you know, oh. I can't stand that song. I don't like Redbone, I'll be honest with you. But I like, I just do not, oh, it's overplayed. It's yeah. over. It's just. It, but his past body of work, I love. I love the ex- experimentation he uses with music. Mm-hmm. But yeah. you could keep Redbone. I don't. Yeah. I don't. I don't ever have to hear that song again. <laughs> no, I agree. It, it was. It's a great song, but just maybe one. One too many spins. See that. That's the beauty of his music because. He's not making it really. He's making music just to make music. When he started, he was just, hey, I want to make music. So he's, he did. It wasn't about trying right. to make money. He was just trying things. And him 
having that that freedom because he's not fearful of anything it allows him to make it's like either it's good or it's weird but when it hits it hits he has some really good songs mm-hmm. but he got some weird stuff too <laughs> all right next up church is chicken underrated no i'm just saying this like it's overrated it's overrated it's greasy it's just grease grease and skin grease and skin <laughs> that's all it is is grease and skin but it's cheap. it's cheap grease and skin i was just gonna say is anybody grown eating churches like <laughs> you got more than four dollars is underrated <laughs> <laughs> I mean, when you got more than four dollars, it's overrated. But when overrated. You got $4 is is underrated. If for four dollars, <laughs> you could fill up at churches. You know, I didn't. I didn't start eating churches until I was an adult, and oh, I was like, well, let me really? check this out. And you see the prices, you're like, oh man, I'm coming back. <laughs> like, I don't care what this tastes. Have you Have you seen how big those pieces of chicken are? Those are not. Real. I'm saying, yo, that's not. That's not chicken. <laughs> Why is the chicken wing bigger than the breast? Exactly. <laughs> probably, right. probably bat meat. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm going. I'm going underrated. Horse with feathers. Just because of the pricing, man. I'm going underrated. All right. Next up, Uncle Remus's chicken. Hey. Underrated. Nah, you tripping, man? Uncle Maybe Remus is better than Harold's. You said I what? Just needed, Uncle Remus is better than Harold's. I needed that on wax. Wow. It's the sauce, man. Is that a Chicago thing? It yeah. is. Oh, okay. I have no comment on that then. <laughs> I've never had Uncle Remus. I was hoping more people, uh, people other than Jamil had tried it because he just, he champions Ooh. it. Like, and I'm like, Uncle Remus? No, I've never had. Dude, I'm from the South Side. Is that a West Side thing? Yes, it's a West Side thing. But they got one on the South Side, I believe now. But uh, no, no, no. South Side is Harold's territory. I think they got one on the South Side. Well, it's actually in um, it's in Hyde Park, I believe. Um, uh, Uncle Remus in Hyde Park, really interesting. I, you might be wrong. They got three. They have three places, three locations now. That's what's I up. Just, I just don't like the legacy of of the Uncle Remus name. <laughs> it's like you Google Uncle Remus now, the Chicken Shack will not come up. <laughs> so, I mean, that was the man's name that made the shack. I mean, what you gonna do? <laughs> but you cool with but you cool with uh, Harold, the Chicken King, huh? Yeah, he's a, he was a self made entrepreneur. Hey, he wasn't he wasn't he wasn't a, a racist caricature. <laughs> do me a favor, man. At 17th Avenue in Roosevelt, get you some Uncle Remus and give me a call after you have it. Yes. All right. All right. I'll take you up on that. All right. Last one. Keeping a piggy bank. Overrated or underrated? Underrated. 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 Got a couple of them in my son's room. And he, he's balling right about now. <laughs> Underrated, yeah. That's the first lesson of saving. Yeah. You- exactly. Mm-hmm. Tell me this: Have you all ever stolen money out of your children's piggy <laughs> banks? I have. Yes. If I put it in there, it's not stealing. It's all under my roof. You, you mean without replenishing it, or like? No, no, you replenish it, but like, say you, you need the oh, of course money real quick or whatever. 
times be hard sometimes. <laughs> you may or may you have every intention of putting it back, but you may or may not forget. You know, I mean, more back. But like, oh man, sometimes times get hard. Sometimes, man, I don't even feel bad about it. Why would you? You ate today, didn't you? I need this money for gas. <laughs> you know exactly. I just had to ask that. But um, all right, cool. All right, so we're going to go ahead and cap this episode off like we always do with another segment of What You're Bumping, where I invite y'all to share with the listeners what you've been bumping for the past week, whether it be new or old. So, um, Brandy, this week, what you been bumping? Oh, I don't know. For some reason, I've been really into Holland Oaks this week. Oh, snap. Yeah, I've been just really every morning when I work, I turn on Holland Oaks. I don't know what it is, but it's just, I got to hear it every morning. So, yeah. Nice. You use it to work to it. It won't distract you. It's, that's true. And I really like Holland Oaks. It's some good vibes, so I'm, I'm mm-hmm. down with it. Yeah, they were funky, man. They were, I remember when I found out they were white. I, man, my, my world didn't make sense no more. <laughs> Nobody tell them about Bobby Caldwell. I already knew about him. <laughs> all right, all right, Vince, man, what you been bumping? I've been bumping Jasmine Sullivan and uh, Jill Scott for this upcoming talk we got Friday. I've been listening to Vito again, man. Like, that boy has got my attention, man. He's making some good music um, for the ladies, of course. Like, I still been on that Cicero and Alex Isley Masigo kick. I've been listening to all of them. Um, and there's this one guy, I keep always forget his name. I've been listening to his music, too. I can't I can't get his name right now. It's, just, it's not coming to me. But yeah, that's what I've been listening to. Okay, okay, cool. Side note, somebody needs to make a Hall of Notes Steely Dan versus battle. Somebody need to make that happen. Mm, that's a good idea. That would be dope. Mm. I don't know what kind of turnout you're going to get for that, but that would be See, a good one. That's the thing. I, 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 I put up these that. ideas, and the first thing that people say is, I don't know about the turnout. I don't <laughs> know. It should be pretty big because uh, we got some other ones coming up. We just got to figure out the right DJs to properly showcase the music. Got to be the right people. We just got to figure it out. Yeah, people who know the stuff. Right. right. Jamil, man, what you been bumping? Most deaf, true magic. Just to make sure I wasn't tripping, and I wasn't. (laughs) I was bumping that new Mad Lib. The album title escapes me at the moment. Found Ancestors. Thank you. Um, also was bumping uh, Phony People, uh, Mosaic. Uh, I was bumping that Prime Diesel, which was really good. Tank and the Bangas, Friend Goals. Mm. And uh, Lupe Fiasco's Tape Tape. Okay. Uh, Man, Lupe, Lupe uh, trap, trap EP. Okay, I haven't even heard it. Uh, no. You, you dig it? <laughs> you dug deep in the craze this week. Okay. Oh, yeah. Myself, I've actually, I've also been bumping the Mad Lib, the uh, the Sound Ancestors album. 
just getting into that. It's okay. It's okay. It's it's a few cuts on there I like. I'm I'm really digging. Um, I wish the album kind of hung together a little better as a whole. Um, it also made me throw on Mad Lib Shades of Blue. Um, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's his jazz album from a few years back. Still excellent, excellent uh, music on there. I've been bumping uh, Method Man, T Cow 2000 Judgment Day. Just you know, I always throw that on when it gets cold outside. Uh, I was bumping the Roots Tipping Point. And um, I was bumping Run the Jewels 1. Just needed some motivational music because I was shoveling my way out the alley today. So, right. Um, Gotta do it. <laughs> it worked. It worked. Jamil, man, you got any um, any closing words for us? Any album anniversaries? Yes. I got a couple. Um, sorry, let me get my notes here. Should have been on point because I knew it was coming. I did have a couple more albums I was listening to. But I found out I, I remember the guy's name. Do you guys have you ever heard Iman Omari? I've heard the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah it sounds familiar. Yeah, it came out. That's he got some weird sounding stuff, but it's pretty cool. And the ultimate album I've been listening to. This may sound funny, but Omarion has an album out, and it's called uh, Connection. The album is pretty good. I would suggest that everybody check it out. Omarion. But it's a, yeah, Omarion has been making good music consistently. But I don't have to give me like a blank CD and say, just listen to this because I can't see me like voluntarily. (laughs) Jamil, I'm going to see you tonight. (laughs) That's where you was most down, huh? This is the new most down album. Yeah, tell me it's the new Black Star. I listen to it. <laughs> I, I know it sounds crazy, but take take the um the beach mindset off and listen to his music. You will like it. What's the name of the album? Connection. Connection. I give it a shot. On your recommendation, I will give it a shot. Yeah. If it's whack, you better let him know. Uh, you know I will. <laughs> oh, I know he's a, he's a harsh critic, but it's it's cool. Okay, cool, cool. All righty then. Um, so, um, I, I do um, got a couple of uh, album anniversaries. Oh, go ahead. I'm so, sorry. Uh, celebrating 25 years, uh, Easy E, straight off the streets of Redacted Compton. <laughs> and I got two more that are off numbered. You know, I normally try to do these in multiples of fives, but I missed these last year. But these were two albums that were definitely worth celebrating, even though they're 21 years old, not 20. The Locks, We Are the Streets. The, um, first album as uh, Rough Riders Affiliates. When uh, J.D. Kiss said he was going to hit Puff with a refrigerator. And uh, D'Angelo Voodoo. Both of those albums dropped yeah. the same day in 2000. Wow. I remember them well. I got in trouble in, in, in school for not paying attention from bumping both of those albums. <laughs> That's dope. That's dope. Nice. Nice. All right, man. So um, I'm probably not going to do the show next week. I'll, I'll be recovering from a tooth extraction then. Um, but um, we'll come back. We'll probably come back week after next. Uh, Jamil, Vince, Brandy. Brandy, I would love, love to have you back on the show. So I, I, I'll, I'll be keeping you posted. And um, uh, we got some we got some good topics coming up to close out the uh, season nine of the podcast. So 
Um, I thank y'all for, for carving out the time tonight away from the families to come on and share your commentary, make the show what it is. And um, with that, have a nice night. And I'll bid y'all adieu. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. All right, y'all. Catch you on the next one. All right. Peace. Bye.
greats, you see what we made All around the world, the key got played Good and bad, Chris and Mike You bumping while you and your lady having a fight That's right, it happens, but the brothers keep rapping Losing all the legends, man, it keeps happening I miss the homie Rick, I miss my Uncle Lewis He used to get the LA Times, who we knew is I do this for the people who got no voice I do this for the people who got no choice Some have my mojo, I'm slow-mo I'm Friday night, raw on the 13th They say the cousin of death is sleep That's why me and the homie keep beats in the street Dreams not memes, y'all Keep following, stay out your feelings People no wallowing To the studio trying to make a new song Knowing he'd never hear it Saying he's hearing spirit didn't help at all And neither did that alcohol Had to confront grief, had to learn to accept Celebrate the good times, that was the next step Because you gotta believe, even though people are gone That they love you and wanted you to continue on I carry these memories and let them stack to my last They want my physicals reducing something stuck in an ashtray So let it burn, empty out the urn, let me float away The memories of better days and carry your soul away huh. I pour out a little bit of beer Tell your people that you love them while they are still here Show your people that you love them while they are still here Man, tell your people that you love them while they still can't hear the sound Of the memory sound, of the memory sound of the memory sound, of the memory of many living people in the place to be. Check it out. Five Dog, Rock On, Rock On, Mac Miller, Rock On, Rock On, Charlie Murphy, Rock On, Rock On, Roger Nelson, Rock On, my brother Big L, Rock On. To my man Sean Price, rock on The homie Big Rick, rock on My man Pete Money, rock on Elijah Shaheen, rock on DJ Rob Run, rock on And DJ Dutch, rock on Miss Aretha Franklin, rock on Humanity, rock on Rock on, rock on Everybody rock on, everybody rock on